was scrolling through Facebook one day and an elk hunter was like, hey, has anybody got a, a moose tag for this unit? And I'm like, I do. As soon as I saw that shoulder starting to rotate where he lifted up that foot, you know, counted to two so that he could get it forward and boom. Everybody put so much pressure on me and I just let it run off my shoulder. I didn't care. I was like, you know, I want to feed me and my family. I lucked into finding somebody that understood my situation, was willing to listen to my situation and help me with whatever I needed. I learned so much from it all and I'm eternally grateful. This is Kevin Lasley and you're listening to The Wild Initiative. Put down your latte and pull on your boots. I would rest at peace for eternity if my legacy was that I made a positive influence on the non-hunting public about what hunters are and what hunting is. I finally got my buck on our last real day of hunting. So a pro-hunting organization is voting against hunting. And that says anti-hunting to me. There was a year straight where I was averaging up to 200 death threats a day. And I hugged it. Like, I just wanted to hug a bear. It's proven that the average steak in a grocery store touches 50 to 100 hands and machines. And we're putting that into our body. Hey, y'all, Cable Smith, host of the Lone Star Outdoors show here. This is Adam Weatherby. I'm Corey Jacobson with Elk 101. This is Christy Titus. Hey, folks, this is John Bear. You're listening to The Wild Initiative. Hey y'all, welcome to another episode of The Wild Initiative, brought to you as part of the Waypoint Outdoor Collective. Boat Trader is America's largest boating marketplace with over 100,000 boats to choose from. We offer simple, comprehensive solutions for those looking to sell, find, and finance new or used boats. Visit BoatTrader.com to get started. Knives, machetes, saws, and shears, multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. All right, y'all, so hopping right into today's episode. Uh, we got a fun one for you today. Um, I have on the podcast my buddy Kevin Lasley. Now, Kevin has been a listener and a supporter of of the Wild Initiative since back in the living country in the city days. And, um, you know, he's got a really awesome story. He's had an incredible experience this hunting season. And uh, so super happy to have you on, Kevin. Thanks for uh, joining. Oh, thanks for having me. I'm excited to to mirror your story a little bit and get it out there. <laughs> so now I forget, have you been listening pretty much since day one? I think I found you when you had like four or five episodes out and that was about it. So, yeah, I was going to say, cause I'm pretty sure you're one of the like OG, uh, OG people that like listened to the podcast and started, started digging in. And um, so how did you, how did you or out of curiosity originally find out about it? Like, how'd you come across it? Do you remember? It all came from the go wild app. Really? Yep. Hmm. Um, I, you know, it's, I, I've made so many connections from the go wild app and, uh, you know, just giving them a little love, a little bit of a shout out. You know, if you guys haven't checked out the go wild app, make sure you uh, head on over there. Um, it's an incredible app for making connections in the hunting and fishing industry or in 
in hunting and fishing with other outdoorsmen and women. Um, and it is, it's an awesome place. There's no censorship of, of trophy shots. There's no hate from the anti hunters. It's a really awesome place. And you clearly meet fantastic people. So go make sure y'all check that out. Um, now, Kevin, I, I, you know how I always like to start these, uh, a little bit about you, just your history, your background, but really what, what got you started? What, what, piqued your interest when it comes to hunting and fishing the outdoors, all of this. So kind of like you, I've never had anyone around me that, uh, did any hunting. Uh, there was some fishing with my grandpa when I was little and stuff like that, but you know, nothing major, um, always liked being out in the woods and just have fun playing out there, but nobody really did any hunting. Uh, probably, I don't know, about 10 years ago or so it started piquing my interest, just, you know, hearing people talk about it or whatever. So I started looking for people that did it and wasn't having any success. So I actually went as far as to get a second job at Cabela's because I figured if I'm working there, I'm whether it's customers, whether it's people that I end up being friends with, whatever, I'd find somebody that would be willing to take me out, but being in Kentucky back there, it, you know, it's all your family farm or whatever. And even after three years of working there, I never had anybody take me out. So uh, that's when I went to the, the go wild app and started looking there and uh, found a guy that was willing to take me out, took me to his family farm one time. And then like two days later, I got the job offer to move to Utah and had to start from scratch all over again. <laughs> oh man. It always, always seems how it's like, it's always how it seems to go. It's like you get the plan in your head. You're like, okay, making headway. This is awesome. All on board. And then life throws you a giant curveball and <laughs> completely messes up everything you had intended. Right. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it just, I was like, all right, you know, I got this finally found somebody going to, going to learn, you know, I, I did the research. I listened to the podcast, yours and several others. Uh, you know, I've looked online. I, I did everything that I could do on my own, but you know, I wasn't fully comfortable just going out there, getting the white tail down and then being like, uh, now what? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's the biggest, I think that's like the biggest hurdle for a lot of people is in the, at least in their own minds, it's like, okay, I go out and, you know, I shoot an animal. What do I do with it then? And I think that's one of, there's a lot of different, a lot of different, uh, obstacles for guys getting into hunting. But I think mentally, that's one of the huge ones. It's like, I don't know what the hell to do with this thing after I lay it on the ground. Like, <laughs> you know. Yeah. But after you see the video one time of, you know, the buddies taking the, the new guy out and, you know, not telling him to be careful and he ruptures the gut sack all over himself. After you see that video one time, you're like, yeah, I don't want to uh, do that on my own <laughs> the first time. You know, and it's, it's crazy too, because every animal is just a little bit different. I mean, you know, you, you got a deer, you got an elk, it's, it's not going to be all that crazy. You know, one's just a lot more work. Um, but, uh, you know, every, every different animal you get into everything you hunt, you know, uh, field, 
field processing a turkey is going to be a lot different than field processing a deer or, you know, breasting out birds or whatever that is. I think people, it, it can be very intimidating because especially when you put so much work into something, you want to make sure you're not screwing it up at, at the very end. Right. Right. You don't want to screw it up. You don't want to leave too much and have a game warden knocking on your door for, you know, wasting the animal. There's all kinds of different things that, you know, just mentally play with your head if you're not used to it and don't have the family or friends to teach you. So uh, this was, I want to say, what, about four and a half years ago that you probably started this four years ago, something like that? Uh, Been in Utah three years. So, yeah, about four and a half five years. Yeah. So you, I mean, you started pretty much right at the exact same time I did. Uh, you know, I'd started, I'd started getting interested in hunting again, uh, probably 2015, 2016 ish, maybe 2016. And then I really started getting into it come 2017. That's when I did my first elk hunt that, uh, was so, so successful. Um, <laughs> Hey, you got knowledge. That was success. I, yep. Like I, I gained a lot of knowledge over the years. Um, but, uh, you know, for those that don't know, you've not found a lot of success in those uh, as far as, again, we've, we've, we've discussed deciding on your measures of success. We've had these discussions a lot, you know, and right. it's, it's critical. You be realistic with yourself, but you have not uh, in those years had much success as far as a traditional sense in killing an animal. Correct. Yeah. I've, when I was back in Kentucky, um, I had a guy that was like, Hey, come out, you know, he was on disability, come out, I'll call turkeys for you. You know, we'll do that. The day I was going out the day before he got released to go back to work. So (laughs) I went out on, you know, to his cabin and I'm sitting there, never called a turkey or anything else. So I sat out there, but I never heard one. I never saw one, nothing. I went out with the guy for whitetail that I found on Go Wild. And, you know, he said, okay, sit here. This is where I got my first deer. I'm going to go down here about 500 yards and get in a tree stand. 12, 14 hours later, he comes back. He's like, all right, you ready to go? So then a couple of days after that, I went out on one of the few public land places in Kentucky and I spooked a deer out of its bed. I'm like, all right, I know where the bed is. I'll come in a different way next time, you know, give it a day or two. And then I got that job offer and couldn't ever go back. <laughs> so uh, then when I came out here to Utah, uh, I got a deer bow tag in a unit that's very much private property. But I had a buddy at work. It's like, hey, you know, I'll take you out in the summer. I'll show you where you can hunt. I'll show you how to scout. You know, I'll go out with you in the fall. None of that ever happened. I tried, you know, I found a spot, did the the Onyx and the Google Maps or Google Earth and all that, trying to find some place that might have a chance. Um, and then I went out one morning and not being completely familiar with the area, I knew where I needed to go once I got to the right exit, but the GPS was being stupid. Uh, wanted to take me like an hour North to come back over the mountain where there's no road at four o'clock in the morning. (laughs) So I ended up, you know, following it as far as to the end of the road. And I'm like, uh, I'm not doing this because I don't know what this is going to turn into. 
So I turned around and left the GPS on hoping it would recalculate and it never did. So I ended up just going home. Um, and then uh, DWR did a beginner pheasant thing for kids and new hunters. So I was like, well, you know, I want to get something. So I went out and they were releasing pheasants. They had a kid's group, a woman's group, and then a men's group. So went out, got a pheasant, came back in. They're like, well, the limit's two. We're going back out with the, the volunteers if you want to go again. So I went back out and I got a second pheasant. Nice. So other than a squirrel that I got when we were checking trail cams uh, with the when we went out for the deer, that's all I had was mm-hmm. one deer and two pheasant before this year. Well, I'll tell you, um, the, uh, I, I got to do, you probably saw on socials and stuff. I got to do my first pheasant hunt this last season. Um, you know, after I'd finished up in Arizona and I will say I was never that into upland game until I went out and did that and saw the dogs working. Did you guys run dogs when you were doing that pheasant hunt? Yeah. The, the volunteers had dogs and I will say that I'm like you, I, you know, never really interested in me too much, but the dogs are amazing. But at the same time, I realized I'll never do this without dogs. Oh yeah. Oh geez, man. Yeah. That's <laughs> I've done. I've done a couple of like dove hunts and stuff, but pheasant, you know, if you don't have those dogs to flush, it's, it's a little rough. Um, but you know, it's, it's just, it's really, you get so much excitement in such a short time Cause it's like one of those things flushes out and you're like, your heart's going, you're flinging that shotgun up. And, um, and then all of a sudden, you know, either you hit it or you don't, <laughs> um, yeah. but I, I really enjoyed that pheasant hunt. And then, you know, I'd, I'd highly recommend to anyone starting out. Um, you know, we've talked about this before, you know, find, give you, you know, give waterfowl hunting a try, give some like, dove hunting or pheasant hunting to try it's something it's something you know if you find the right people you can do over the course of a weekend you know it doesn't really require you know months of preparation and scouting and this and that yeah i mean scouting helps but if you can find a spot you know it takes minimal gear minimal effort even the whole processing thing that we were talking about earlier it's compared to like processing a deer you know breasting out some ducks or, you know, t- taking the, um, legs and thighs of a, of a goose and the, the breast of a goose, you know, like all of that is, is relatively simple compared, to, uh, compared to having to figure out how to get the back straps off and how to get the tenderloins and whether you're doing gutless or non, you know, all of that stuff. Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you, you know, once you've carved a turkey up on, for Thanksgiving dinner, you, you at least are familiar with what it looks like. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't have everything else that, you know, that just, it's a little different with the, the big game, but, you know, like you're saying, just find somebody, you know, if you can, that has dogs, um, and is willing. Cause I mean, I was just walking that field, you know, they're like, all right, you know, let's just all line up and let's just walk. And guy Brett, he had his dog tick and he's like, Hey, why don't you come over here with us? And Tick is like a three or four time champion. Oh, wow. And he's, he's up there in age, you know, Brett's got some younger dogs that are up and coming and, you know, we've 
become pretty good friends on Facebook and stuff after all this. But Tick was just a hoot because he was, he's goofy, and but he knew what he was doing. And it was just, I was in awe. It's like, I didn't even want to hunt. I just wanted to watch the dog, mm -hmm. you know, point and flush and everything else. It's just like, wow. Well, it's just, it's so fun because you can tell when those dogs are doing that. It's like what, it's what they live for. You know, everyone, you know, it, I, until you see it, I don't think it's really hard to understand. Like those dogs, you know, when they're just, when they're doing the flushing, um, you know, cause the, the way we did it is they, we just, uh, we walked a field and they just flushed the entire time. There's, they weren't, you know, sitting there, uh, trying to locate them point and then flush. Um, so they were just running the whole time. And I swear if a dog could have an idiot grin on its face, that's what these dogs had. They were just like, Oh my gosh, this is just the most fun we've ever had. Yeah, absolutely. It was the same way with us. Now, so you had, you know, you had your pheasants, you had your squirrel, <laughs> um, you know, what, uh, what then, you know, brought you, brought you up to this year. So anyone in Utah that's listening is going to hate me, but, uh, like I said, I, I moved here three years ago and in the fall, uh, they have the sportsman's drawing. So the sportsman is each of the big game animals, uh, moose, elk, deer, bison, uh, bighorn, mountain goat, you know, each of the, the once in a lifetime style tags and things like that. They give away one tag for the state that can ho hunt any open unit. So not limited to one specific area, just basically the whole state have at it. So I put in for, I think, moose, elk, and bison. And lo and behold, I got the moose tag. <laughs> so I've, I've had a guy at work that, I mean, real good buddy, but I thought I was going to have to like have personal security or something for a while because he's like, I've been putting in for moose tag for 27 years and I've never been drawn. And you've been here two years and you get the sportsman moose. <laughs> So he wasn't too happy with me, but was excited for me at the same time. And I mean, lo and behold, here I am first big game animal and I've got a once in a lifetime tag. Absolutely. And I mean, I know, I know that feeling for sure. You know, like when I put in, when I put in for my odd ad, New Mexico, I, that was the first year I put in and I drew it. And then just this last, this last year in Arizona, getting my first elk, um, I think I had like three points <laughs> in Arizona for elk. Yeah. And you had a, a nice little unit. Yeah. And I got a decent unit and, um, and you know, of course I, of course my, my luck, I draw, I draw elk in Arizona, the, the worst rut in 17 years, but that's a whole different story, <laughs> <laughs> um, which says, I think says a lot about the fact that, that, uh, John, and I still managed to get it done, but, um, so uh tell us a little bit about the hunt man how, how did how did it go down like what'd you do what'd you do to prep for the hunt initially and then uh you know how'd it go down so knowing that you know i didn't know what i was doing i was like there's no way i'm doing this without a guide uh, i just i knew that the buddy had said yeah i'll take you out and show you scouting and everything for that deer and it didn't happen and he's like you know i'm 
I want to be there for the hunt. I was like, you know what? I'm not taking any chances. I'm not getting a moose down by myself, you know, three, four miles in, 10 miles in, had no idea what I was going to be. So I was like, I'm, I'm getting a guide. Um, you know, I didn't necessarily want to, but I figured it was the best option. So called around, filled out some internet forms. Um, and surprisingly, I guess because I was doing it so early because I wanted to figure it all out. I only had one reach back out to me, but they were great people. I talked to uh, the outfitter. He put me in touch with the guide himself, uh, you know, really down to earth. And we talked about what I wanted and I'm like, all right, you know, I'm good with this, you know, let's do it. So uh, I wanted to use my bow, took both the bow and rifle, but uh, both the lack of access to ammo and the price, if you can find it, I was like, you know what? The bow, I can practice with a whole lot easier and cheaper. So I uh, <laughs> did, did a lot of practice with the bow all year long. And I mean, the rifle, I found some ammo, but I literally didn't even sight in the rifle until like a week before. But I put a lot of fillers out on Facebook. Um, you know, I had the guide, the guide's out looking, but we were in a drought. I mean, it's almost like your story with your elk. Mm -hmm. I mean, they, it was just so flipping hot this year and so dry. Uh, you know, the guide was finding moose, but nothing great. So I utilized Facebook, uh, hunting groups on there. I even went as far as to join like uh, wildlife photography groups to try and get tips, uh, you know, whatever I could. And lo and behold, um, we had gone out scouting once, found some very promising signs and some beds, put a trail cam on it, um, so on and so forth. But I was scrolling through Facebook one day and an elk hunter was like, Hey, has anybody got a, a moose tag for this unit? And I'm like, I do. <laughs> so I uh, started chatting with him, put him in contact with the guide. And he's like, Hey, you know, I won't tell anybody we're up here until Friday. Uh, you know, if I see him moving around, I'll let you know what's going on with him. So on and so forth. So on Friday, the, the guide went up and, put eyes on him right away. He's like, all right, I found him get up here. So I got up there Friday evening after work and the guide was a little overconfident. <laughs> so, uh, when they found him on Friday, it was a satellite bull, the big bull, and then one cow. Like I said, no problems finding him, walked right to where the, the elk hunter had told him. And there he was. So it backed out, didn't want to, you know, spook him off or anything. So Saturday, uh, he had the horses lined up to be there at 10 a.m. on Saturday. We get there, I don't know, five in the morning, start hiking in with headlamps, and we get up there. We see a couple cow elk. We see a couple cow cows, um, but we, no moose all day Saturday. We hiked about 11 miles on Saturday. We did anything. I, me and the guide went one side of the meadow. His son went the other side. I mean, we we covered so much ground. And his son at one point 
um, says that he saw antlers, but he couldn't tell anything about them and they took off. Um, so, I mean, we just, we cover so much ground and I felt like I was in Maine. Here we are in a drought and evidently, except I'm new to Utah, but the Uintas mountains on the North slope have a whole lot of springs. So I felt like I was hiking through cranberry bogs half the time because I mean, you'd step and sink six inches into the ground of moss. So deadfalls everywhere. I mean, it was either a soaking wet meadow or deadfalls galore, but we, we did everything we could. We were up there for 14, 15 hours and said, you know what? If we feel like it tomorrow morning, we'll come back up. If not, we'll go back. You know, we'll check out some other leads that the guide had on the way home. So we headed back to the cabin, uh, had dinner in town. And uh, the next morning we got up and it's like, all right, how do we feel? Do we want to go back up there? Do we want to check the leads? What do we want to do? So we decided, all right, you know, it's three hours from home. Don't know if we're going to come back over here with the other leads that we had. Let's go look for him one more time because nobody had really gotten a really good picture of him, like clear picture to send to me. But when mm-hmm. the guide saw him, he's like, he's old. He, he's like, he just looks like a grandpa moose, <laughs> you know, compared to the satellite bull. He's like, he stands, you know, so much taller. He's just got that gray face. I mean, almost looks wrinkly and just old and wise. It's like, you know, he's big because he's smart and, you know, he just, he's, yeah, stay, he stays hidden. He knows what he's doing. And, uh, you know, just, it was so funny because on Saturday, you know, when we first get up, you know, top of the trail, it's like, all right, we're at the point where we might run into him at any point. The guy's like, hey, you know, this is not going to be like any other hunt you're ever going to be on. You know, it's a moose hunt. You're, we're going to find him. You're going to walk up to him and you're going to shoot him. He's just going to stand there. You know, it's not <laughs> elk that are going to, you know, hear you, smell you, anything else. You know, moose just don't care. So he's like, this is not, you know, he knew that I didn't know what I was doing. So he's like, don't set your expectations on this is like any other hunt that you're going to go on later on. He's like, it just, it's not going to be like that. And then we never could. He's like, they're not acting like moose. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we found rubbings. We found scat. I mean, there was one pile of scat that he's like, that's your moose. He's like, I have never seen it that big. <laughs> he's like, but that is your moose right there. And I mean, we found so many signs, but just could not find them whatsoever. So on Sunday, it was just me and him. We went back up and we were like, all right, we'll go until lunch. And then at lunch, we'll decide, are we hiking back down and going home, hiking back down and checking leads? What are we going to do? So we got to lunch and it's like, look, well, I guess an hour before lunch, we ran into the satellite bull with the cow. And we're like, all right, the sun spooked them yesterday. You know, maybe they got split up. Maybe these two are going to look and hook back up with the big grandpa moose. So we try and follow them for a little bit, follow them through the wooded section. But as soon as we get to that, that bog, all the moss and everything, I mean, you can't see tracks, you can't see anything. 
So we had given them enough space that, you know, we didn't, couldn't visually see where they went. Um, so they're, I mean, those things are so freaking big one step and, you know, you give them 30 seconds and they're gone. They're out of sight. So, you know, we lost them. It's like, all right, you know, they either went this way or this way. So we picked one and couldn't find them. So sat down, had lunch and it's like, all right, let's hunt our way back to the truck. You know, we're up farther than where we had gone the day before uh, because we did so much zigzagging on Saturday. It's like, let's, you know, go this other side and work our way back down. So we're going, you know, just hunting along and we got into deadfalls. Like, I mean, it was a labyrinth. Mm -hmm. Like all of a sudden we couldn't even find the path that we had walked in on. And it's like every six inches you're stepping over a tree. So we're stuck trying to find our way out. And he, he works our way through the, the least resistance and he stops me. So I'm looking around and all of a sudden I see two cows take off. You know, they only went 10, 15 yards, but they, they heard us, smelled us, whatever. And the cows were like, Nope, screw that. So they took off and then he's, you know, waving to me, you know, stop, stop, stop. And he points over and there's a bull. So the satellite that we had seen earlier that morning just had the one brow tine on each side, much smaller in stature. I mean, still a massive animal. Yeah. But, uh, you know, you could tell it was smaller. And this one, he's 40 yards away and he's standing just on the, you know, probably two feet on the other side of trees that there's a six inch opening. And I could see that he had two brow tines on each side, but we could not see his paddles at all. So I'm like, all right, he's much larger. He's got two cows with him instead of the one. He's got the two brow tines. So Saturday, I carried both the rifle and the the bow. Sunday, it's like, look, they're acting weird. There's so much deadfall. We only took the rifle. So I shoulder it and I'm looking and he's trying to figure out if it's the one that we're after or not. And I'm like, I just don't have a shot from here. So he goes back a little bit, tries to get a different angle. He goes forward a little bit, tries to get a different angle. He tries to do a little calling to get him to move and he's just not moving. So I go back 10 yards or so and I'm sitting there shouldering the rifle and I'm like, you know, it's a shot, but it's not the shot I want to take. And I'm standing there and after five minutes, the, the rifle's just getting heavy, obviously. Like, uh, mm-hmm. you know. so I kneel down and my knee on Saturday started bothering me. I mean, just stepping over the deadfalls and into the, the moss and sinking down and just anything and everything. Half a Saturday, all I kept thinking was, I'm repeating Sam's story. <laughs> I'm going to screw my knee up, something fierce. It's like, I, I don't want that part of the story. <laughs> like I, I don't want to screw my knee up and not get an animal. So, I, you know, I knelt down and my knee's like, nope, not having that. And lucky for me, there was a deadfall right next to me. So, I just rotated my hips over and I, I sat there on that deadfall and just held the the rifle on him 
and the guide can't get him to move. It's been, you know, probably close to 10 minutes at this point. And, you know, probably felt like 2025 in the moment, but (laughs) I'm just sitting there like, take a step because his shoulder filled that whole six inch gap between the trees. Mm -hmm. I'm like, just one step, just lift that foot up. Because at this point, I'm like, I I wasn't sure whether it was or was not. I had no clue if it was the one we were after because I had never seen it. You know, I'd seen the blurry pictures from a distance. I'd seen the the picture the guide took where there was all kinds of trees and deadfalls in the way. And he was just trying to snap it real quick to say, hey, I found him. But I hadn't seen anything clear enough with especially with that what little I could see to know if it was him. But I was like, damn it. This is my first big game. I could give two shits less if it's the biggest one in the state, if it's, you know, going to get me in Boone and Crockett. I, I don't care about that. This is, you know, a nice moose. It's going to feed me for quite a while. I don't care. You know, would it have been nice to, you know, first big game and getting Pope and Young or Boone and Crockett? Yeah, it would have been great. But, you know, I was there for the food. So I was like, if you take one step, I'm shooting. I don't care. I've, by the time we get back to the truck, I'm over 20 miles in two days. I'm tired. My knee hurts. You know, I, I want some satisfaction over this because I got notified in November that I drew the tag and I had to wait until September. <laughs> so I was 10 months, you know, normally you get, you know, three, four months of, excitement and planning and whatever, but I was damn near a year on this. And with it being my first, you know, I'm chomping at the bit even more. Mm -hmm. So I was like, all right, you take one step and I'm shooting unless the guide stops me before you take a step. I don't care. So I knew I'm sitting there running through my head and I mean, I'm in the moment. I'm even thinking, how do I not have bull fever? You know, my heart's not racing. Everything just, you know, wasn't rushing. It was slowing down and I'm calm and everything else. But I knew that their stride is so much that if he took a full step, I risked a gut shot. So I was like, all right, you know, let me just, as soon as I saw that shoulder starting to rotate where he lifted up that foot, you know, counted to two so that he could get it forward and boom, I shot, I saw him jump like he was taking off running. The two cows took off and we never saw him. Now the guide's 15 yards up from me. He saw the cows run, but we, neither one of us ever saw the bull. So it's like, okay, did he quarter and go behind where all this cover is and go the other way? What happened? So he tells me, you know, chamber another one, chamber another one. So I chamber and we walk, you know, about 10 yards up from where I was and start walking around all the the tree and cover and everything. And there he lay 15 feet from where I shot him. <laughs> I mean, he was a bloody mess, but I... I ended up hitting the shoulder uh, to some degree, 
the the guy did the gutless method so i don't know for sure but looking at the the color of the blood and everything it looked like it was a heart shot and when he took off jumping trying to run i think he just came down on that shoulder there was no support and he just went face first into the dirt (laughs) so i mean it was just so amazing you know we're walking around the, the cover two minutes after i pulled the shot and i saw him breathing saw him take a breath we backed up about 10 yards to you know give him a space but i never saw him breathe again so in two minutes he was 15 feet and he was gone so you know being new to it all i was like all right you know i successfully harvested but i did it humanely you know it was all the goals that I could have set for myself of doing it other than I wanted to use the bow. Hunting boots are a critical component of any successful hunt. Whether walking a short distance to your blind or trudging miles through rugged terrain, your feet are carrying the load. Without the right boots, you could give up early and lose out on that trophy just over the ridge. At Midway USA, we make selecting boots for your next hunt easier. With just a few clicks of a mouse, you can decide on what's important, like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings for just about everything for shooting hunting and the outdoors check out midwayusa.com so first and foremost again you know i know i've told you already but congratulations man that's i'm so stoked for you because i know you know i know how much of a struggle it was for you to find someone to go with and you know you've reached out a ton of times and um you know i'm I'm stoked for you that you were finally able to get it done, finally able to make it happen. So first and foremost, again, congratulations. I, I appreciate that, especially uh, coming from somebody that knows how much <laughs> of a struggle it is to to get it done. Well, and it's just funny listening to that story. It's like you've combined so many of my hunts all into like one, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and it's just I identify with so much of that with the deadfall and slogging through it. And like you said, hurting your knee and um And then just even, you know, to some extent you've got, you know, like with my elk hunt this year, you know, you've, you're sitting there, you're chasing them and you're struggling and you're, you know, running into roadblocks and they just don't seem to be behaving right. And, you know, they're wild animals. What are you going to do? And then you finally, you know, you finally get into them and you have your chance and you have to make that decision. You're like, okay, do I sit and hold out for something, you know, big, something, you know, Boone and Crockett, do I, you know, what do I do? Or am I going to be happy with harvesting my first animal with killing my first animal? Um, And, you know, that's kind of what we were talking about before is you have to define those measures of success. And so when you talked with your guide originally, did you guys talk about that? Like what, what you were going to be happy going home with. Yeah. And it was not anything like what anybody else, whether it was the guide, whether it was the buddies, all I heard all year long was you can't just settle for any bull with that tag. I mean, Utah moose is a once in a lifetime, no matter what, but having the sportsman tag, everybody put so much pressure on me. And I just let it run off my shoulder. I didn't care. I was like, you know, I want to feed me and my family. You know, I, 
And they're like, no, 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 no. You need and, you know, find the big one. And the guide's like, you know, I'll find you one, you know. <clears throat> He's like, I may not find you the biggest in the state. And I mean, they flat out told me, if you want the biggest in the state, go to this outfitter. They'll find you the biggest in the state and you're going to pay for it. But they will find you the biggest one in the state. And, uh, He's like, I will find you one, you know, mid forties, which for a sheriff's is, you know, pretty good. You know, it's no Yukon or anything like that, but he's like, I'll find you one that's mid forties. Um, and you know, maybe pushing 50 watt. So this one ended up, uh, only being 34 wide, but I mean, it was a nice moose, you know, I've shown the picture to, to several people. You know, there I've heard everything from it's a typical Utah moose uh, to, you know, it's a nice one. There's a guy that has just the standard once in a lifetime tag that uh, is still looking. You know, they've got about a week left in their season, which that's the other thing with my tag. Instead of, you know, a, a five week or so tag, I had two and a half months. My tag started, you know almost three weeks before everybody else and ran a month after everybody else. So, I mean, I could have waited until everybody was done. I could have gotten out there and gotten one before everybody else's season started. I mean, there were so many advantages to this tag and it drove me crazy because my buddy that got on me, you know, I've put in for 27 years. I said, well, do you ever put in for the sportsman? No. Well, (laughs) why not? You know, they haven't published the last year or two, but the last year that they have published, there were only 1600 people that put in for it. Yeah. It's only one tag, but one in 1600s, not that horrible for odds. Yeah. <laughs> Especially for any sort of once in a lifetime tag. That's fantastic odds. Yeah. And then you get possibly the whole state. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's like, okay, yeah, it's an extra 10 bucks out of my pocket, but why not? Out of curiosity with Utah, with those tags, is it, you have a, can you now still put in for like a sheep? Uh, five years, I think, is what it is. Oh, so you have to wait five years, and then you can put in. You can put in for the other animals, but I'm assuming you can't put in for moose again. Correct. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So I can't put in for the sportsman. I can't put in for the once in a lifetime. Uh, you know, I can get you know general tags or whatever, but any of the nice ones, I got a five year on. Okay. Okay. Which, you know, in the scheme of things, that's, that'll go by quick. It'll, you know, you'll have points built, you know, you'll be hunting elsewhere. You'll be chasing other stuff and that'll, that'll go by pretty quick. But yeah, you know, I mean, I really feel you on that, on feeling at least, you know, you definitely had to feel a little bit of that pressure in the back of your head, not necessarily even from them, but just the knowledge that it is a once in a lifetime tag. Cause I know, when I drew that Arizona tag, like, yeah, it's not Arizona strip for mule deer or anything, but it's definitely a, you know, just a few times in your life as a non non-resident to draw elk in Arizona. And there was something in the back of my head that was like, Oh man, I better get something big if I'm going to be hunting down here, you know? And, and well, I, you know, I definitely felt that. I felt it. And I mean, I had it in my head. You know, I, I wanted to use the bow and with the way everybody was blowing it up, I'm like, you know what, Boone or Pope and Young would be just so awesome. You know, very first big heart game harvest and everything. So I felt it, but it wasn't really prominent. Uh, 
mm-hmm. but afterwards it became prominent because I didn't care beforehand. I wanted the meat, but then afterwards I'm like, did I just make a mistake? Should I have waited? Should I have, you know, pushed for the the bigger one? You know, the guide kept saying, you know, right now the leaves are still on the tree. As soon as, you know, the leaves start falling, we'll get out there and those big, big black buggers can't hide and, you know, they're easy to spot. And once the snow comes, they just stand out like a sore thumb and, you know, we'll find a big one and everything else. And I'm just like, in my head, I guess part of it was also, this was opening weekend for everybody else. I didn't want to give everybody else a month to get all the nice ones. <laughs> and then me have the ideal conditions of no leaves on the trees, snow on the ground. And, oh, everything that's left over from everybody else is standing out. So I, I had that in my head during the hunt, but, but the, the real pressure didn't hit until afterwards when I was like, okay, my hunt started on September 1st, September 19th, I made the harvest. I had it until November 15th, I think it is. It's like, did I make a mistake? But you know what? Last week when I had that first bite of moose, <laughs> I was like, I don't care. I don't care what size it was. The the two, two and a half weeks that the processor had the moose, it tore me up. I, I kept going back and forth on whether or not it was a mistake. But, I mean, we did the gutless method, came back with less meat than what we could have. <clears throat> you know, didn't take any neck meat, didn't, you know, guides like, you know, we're just taking the, the minimum requirement. We took the four quarters, the back straps, the tenderloins. I still came out with over 200 pounds of meat. (laughs) So boneless, you know, and my wife has eaten it. She likes it. She doesn't eat leftovers. My son is extremely picky. He's not going to try it. (laughs) So it's 80 plus percent going to be me eating this thing. So I think the 200 pounds is going to last me a while. (laughs) So, um, tell me, a, tell me a little bit about the pack out and the process and kind of, you know, yeah, all the fun all stuff. that went. Yeah. Yeah. Cause the, you put the moose down and it's like all the hard work starts then, you know, fortunately you had the guide there to, you know, guide you through it and do, do a good chunk of the work. Oh, he, he definitely did a good chunk of the work. Uh, I've, I can't say how much I owe that man because watching him do it. I mean, he kept telling me, you know, you don't think you're helping, but you holding this leg or you doing this or you doing that is helping so much. But I took the shot right at two o'clock and five hours later, the horses showed up at like seven thirteen, not three minutes after we were done processing it field dressing, getting the the hide off everything. We got done. I literally walked over to take a leak and had to stop because here comes the the son, the nephew and one of their girlfriends. I'm like, well, I guess I'm not going this way, (laughs) but they showed up at the perfect time. So they didn't have to do any of the real hard work. Uh, But I mean, (laughs) five hours to do everything and you know we're we got our pictures uh we 
I wanted to do a shoulder mount. So, you know, he was teaching me, okay, here's where you make your cuts. And he would do some of it. And then he'd be like, all right, you know, I did this side, you do that side. Mm -hmm. So I got the, the experience. He was really good about teaching me, uh, while we're hiking around everything, you know, I'm asking questions about, you know, are these elk tracks or these moose tracks, you know, trying to pick up not just moose stuff, just so they were, if I get they were train tag. tracks, weren't they? Yeah, they were. <laughs> and there was a light headed straight for me. That's sorry, that's one of my, that's what I like. My all time favorite jokes is, you know, two idiots, you know, walking down the road, they come across a set of tracks and they're arguing. The one's like, Oh, it's deer tracks. One other one's like, no, it's bear tracks, deer tracks, bear tracks, deer tracks, bear tracks. And you know, they would have gone on forever if the train didn't hit them. Right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> sorry so <laughs> it's all good so you know we we get it uh, quartered out and everything you know i took a couple of the deadfalls and made some racks to to lay the meat on uh because that was the one thing it rained on a saturday and it ended up snowing on a sunday while we were doing all this and uh carrying it out but of all the trees that are up there we're in the middle of the the national forest and there was not any good trees with the limbs. I mean, everything was like eight inches from the trunk and that's it. Mm-hmm. So it's raining and we had no cover. We had nothing, you know, that we could hang the quarters from or anything. So we're quartering it out and, you know, I'm thinking, okay, I, I'm going to have to watch, you know, I don't, that was one of the corners that I hadn't been in in the state yet. So I'm like, I don't know what all's up here. You know, don't know if I'm going to be watching for, you know, any type of predator, you know, a black bear or a mountain lion. I I don't know what's up there. Mm -hmm. So I'm like watching for things to come looking, you know, smelling the meat and everything. And I, there were so many, I had to look them up. They were gray jays that were just all over this stuff. And I mean, we're throwing scraps and anything in every direction away from the meat and some of them would go for it, but it's like, I'm picking up rocks and twigs and sticks and throwing them at these things and (laughs) chasing them off. That was probably, you know, 20 minutes of the five hours is just trying to get these things off of my back straps. It's like, look, there's enough scraps around here. You don't care what you're eating. I care. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, had fun with all that. And like I said, the the horses showed up. They had trouble finding us uh, because they were trying to find a way into us. They couldn't get into us because of all the deadfalls. So then we had to haul the meat down to the horses. It they got there right at sunset. So so by the time we get it in the game bags, get all of our stuff gathered up and everything, we're putting the headlamps on and hiking through the deadfalls that the horses can't get to or get through to load up the horses. So we're probably four miles in, in the dark, and it's been flurrying on us the whole, you know, probably three of the five hours. And they get the horses loaded up. It's like, all right, let's head down. So we start heading down and it starts snowing more. And I mean, I knew I was going to elevation. This was 10,500 foot that we were in. So I knew it was going to be cooler. You know, I took a, a long sleeve shirt as well as the, well, I had two long sleeve. One was more thermal style. Uh, 
I had a fleece vest, but I didn't really think it was going to be snowing cold. Mm-hmm. And, but of course I didn't feel that for four and a half hours because as soon as I took the shot, my knee stopped hurting. I wasn't tired anymore. <laughs> None of that. But as soon as we started hiking down, it's like, Oh wait, it's dark. It's cold. The adrenaline's worn off. So amazing I mean, how that works. <laughs> right. And there was one part, the guide went up Friday without me. Then Saturday we went up and Sunday when we went up and all three days, he's like, he got lost in this one spot because there's so many deadfalls. The trails aren't the trails. Like mm-hmm. he's looking at on X trying to follow the trail and you got to go over the deadfall this way and around and everything else. And all three days in a row, he's like, I got screwed up there. So here we are in the dark and it was pretty flat up there, but we got to one point where it was the one incline we had to go up. And I'm like, look, you know, between my knee, between being tired, hiking 20 miles, it's like, we let the horses go ahead of us and me and the guide stayed back so that I could take it slow and whatever. I mean, I grew up in Kentucky, 600 feet elevation. Here I am at... (laughs) 10 five and it's like yeah a little different so they got to the truck dropped everything off and then went down to load the horses up and we got so turned around i mean we probably added a half a mile just trying to find where we were going Mm -hmm. he was tired i mean it was pitch dark It, it it was crazy the snow was coming down we get to the truck finally we got a little over a quarter inch of snow on the truck uh, at the trailhead it's dark and here they just dropped all the, the meat off i mean the coolers are in the back of the truck they didn't bother putting uh, in the coolers so i mean they of course went so much faster than us that it all had a good eighth to quarter inch of snow on it so we're trying to brush the snow off and but here it is 10 o'clock get back to the truck and i've still got a three-hour drive home <laughs> he's like are you gonna be all right i'm like oh yeah i'm i'm not finally getting this moose and then uh gonna kill myself before i get to enjoy it but it, i mean it was so crazy because i mean my my very first true hunt i mean i know hunting isn't harvesting but going and being told sit here for 12 hours and I'll come back for you. Wasn't really a hunt. Yeah. You know, stuff like that. So my, my first time really going out and, you know, finding the the scrapes and the tracks and everything else and actually hunting. And here I am, I'm 10, five in elevation. I'm packing out with horses. I'm going in by headlamp one day. I'm coming out by headlamp the other day in the rain, in the snow. You know, I mean, I got, not everything, but I got, got a the full gambit, full gamut of, of experience there. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So, I mean, I, I learned so much from it all and I'm eternally grateful. I mean, to the guide, to, to people like you that have put these podcasts out that have not only helped educate me, but kept me motivated because there's so many times that I could have just walked away and been like, I'm not going to do this. You know, it's too much of a struggle. I'm not worried about it. Just eh, blow it off and I'll find another thing to get into. 
but I, I mean, so many people have a part to play that, you know, I could never pay that back to anybody. Uh, the only thing I can do is, you know, now try and when somebody else needs help, try and pass it on to them because that's what it all comes down to. Yeah. That's, you know, that's important. You know, we all have, you know, yeah, we may not be the most experienced hunters, but we've learned lessons and we do have things to share. Um, and, you know, as long as, as long as we're honest about where we're at and, and what we're sharing and kind of what we've learned, I think, you know, I think there's definitely a place, um, place for everyone to, to give back into the hunting community one way or the other. Yeah, um, I mean, be realistic. Like you said, where we're at, you know, don't tell them, Hey, I'm going to go get you a trophy that, you know, everybody's going to be jealous of, but you know, if you can help somebody go out and help them harvest something and put food on their table, then there's, you know, tell them, Hey, I'll help you get something. Don't know how good it's going to be, but we'll get something. And, you know, it may take us a few tries, but you know, pay it forward. At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. So speaking of those lessons, you know, over the these past five years, let's call it, you know, what what are some of the the big takeaways from from starting to to now harvesting your first animal? Um, what are some of those big takeaways that you've learned throughout going through this whole process? First and foremost, don't give up because, <laughs> I mean, if you give up before you even find your way out there, you know, we've all heard the stories. I mean, look at your first elk hunting, you know, oh, yeah. you were successful in knowledge, but you weren't successful in the harvest. But without that one, I mean, I'm sure after, you know, being hauled out of there on horses with your knees screwed up, there was probably doubt in your mind of, do I want to do this again? Oh, yeah. But at the same time, you didn't give up and look at you now. I mean, you, you've got your elk, you know, you've gone Audad, you've done dove, you've done pheasant, you know, all these things. So first and foremost, don't give up. Secondly, you know, one, you know, I, I, I never found anybody when I worked at Cabela's that was willing to take me out. Um, had one person that, you know, talked about it, but it just, it never connected for whatever reason. But I'll tell you, a lot of the gear I used I got while I was there. I took advantage <laughs> of that discount. <laughs> so if you've got some spare time, you know, whether it's, you know, Cabela's or somewhere else, take advantage of a discount, get a, get a second job, use that money that they pay you, use their discount if they've got one and, you know, get some gear for a, less cost to you because it's not cheap to begin with and you're going to need more than what you think. Mm -hmm. But then oh, yeah. when you get a, all together and you get ready to go out and you put that pack on, you realize you got to take about half of it out. So, <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah. That's a, that's a whole other lesson is, <laughs> is learning all the gear you need and then quickly learning all the gear you don't need. Yes. 
So, uh, and I mean, that in and of itself is another one. Go out, you know, it doesn't even have to be seasoned yet. Just get what you think you need and go hike. Because let me tell you, I've between Saturday and Sunday, I probably took, you know, another three pounds out of the pack, but I had already taken like 10 pounds out of it from when we went out scouting in another area the week before. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, putting the pack on and, you know, walking around the house or whatever. Okay. Yeah. It's comfortable. It feels good. You know, there's some weight to it, but I can do it. Okay. Now go hike 10 miles in the mountains. You know, it's a little bit different than, you know, even a, a stroll around the block or whatever. Yeah. So, uh, you know, try it out. Uh, the, the sling I had for my rifle, you know, when I slung it over my shoulder, felt fine. But it needs to be, you know, six inches longer to be comfortable hiking with the pack on and through the deadfall and everything else. Mm-hmm. So, I mean as much as you can try and figure out what's going to work before you get out there, because you can make adjustments in the field, especially if you're not, you know, 10 miles in and sleeping in the, the middle of the woods or whatever. I mean, you could still leave it in the tent or whatever, but it, try to make it as least miserable as you can <laughs> by making it miserable a month or two beforehand. But uh, other than that, you know, the, the stigma of the guide, you know, I went back and forth before I drew this tag of if I got, you know, just a regular tag, would I get a guide or not? And, you know, I didn't want to be that guy. And I'm not going to lie. I don't have the money for it. Mm-hmm. You know, it, they're not cheap. We all know that. But I'm so grateful that I did. I'm so grateful that I looked into real down to earth people that aren't about the money. You know, like I said, I was told if you want to spend the money, go throw, you know, as much money as you want at this guy and he'll get you the biggest one in the state. But I probably wouldn't have gotten the, the treatment that I got either because I found somebody, you know, small mom and pop kind of thing, not the, the ones where they've got guides in multiple states and, you know, Mm -hmm. for lack of better terms, a chain kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, But, you know, I I lucked into finding somebody that understood my situation, was willing to listen to my situation and, you know, help me with whatever I needed. So, you know, beyond the actual harvest, he, you know, taught me as we were going about the elk, about you know, the tracks about the scad, about whatever it was. If I had questions, he answered them. So, you know, don't, don't follow the stigma. If you are trying to find somebody and you can't find somebody and you can make it happen, get a guide, just do your research and try and find one that'll actually help you, you know, be upfront and honest. Hey, you know, I want to learn, you know, will you help me learn? Or are you just going to say, okay, I'm going to find you one. We're going to go get it. And, we're going to pack it out and I'm going to be done with you. Mm-hmm. So, well, dude, it's just, it's such an incredible story and I'm so excited. I'm so, so excited for you. You know, I'm looking at these, looking at these moose pictures now, you know, um, and 
you know, I'm stoked. I, I just, I can't, I can't get over it. How stoked I am for you. And, you know, I'm, I'm glad that I was able to play at least a small part in encouraging you, you know, and inspiring you. So I'm totally going to take credit for your moose. Um, <laughs> That's okay. Cause I, I've got some of it to send to you anyway. So, Oh, dude. dude. I, I got a few pounds of summer sausage that I figured I'd send out to a few different people. So I figured you wouldn't turn it down. Oh, never, never, man. That would be awesome. Yeah, dude. I've still got, um, I, I keep forgetting I have more of it in the fridge. I still kind of, sometimes I'm in the mindset of it's like, I'm a little precious with it sometimes. <laughs> and so I don't, I don't like eat, uh, some of it as much as I should. And, uh, but I don't know. We'll, we'll see if we'll see if I end up getting anything this year. So maybe I should be a little more precious with it. But <laughs> yeah, I was talking about that to somebody today. I was like, you know, I've you know the lady across the street. Her husband died a couple of years ago, but he was a hunter. Uh, so I gave her some. Uh, my UPS driver. We're really close. So um, he, I think it was yesterday or the day before, he was trying to get next door, and they weren't answering. And I've walked outside to pick up what he dropped off for us. And he's like, Hey, you want to sign for them? Did you ever get that thing cut up? I'm like, yeah, you want some of it? Well, yeah. <laughs> so I gave him some of it and I'm like, you know what? Right now, you know, I'm looking 200, 225 pounds of meat. I'm eating most of it. I'm, you know, I'm not giving them 10 pounds of it or whatever, you know, a couple pounds of ground and whatever. Yeah. But I'm like, right now, I'm, you know, a couple people that are close, I'm giving it to them, but, you know, another year, maybe two down the road, I might be like, why'd I give so much of it up? <laughs> oh, man. I mean, what's my options for moose now? You know, Maine, Canada, Alaska. I mean, yeah, I can get a lot of meat, but that's even just, pricier than a guide. Just means you're going to have to get a lot more successful at deer and elk. Yeah. And start uh, saving now. You know, I'll tell you, it, everyone says it, but it's like the first one, the first one's the hard one. You know, it, I don't want to say it comes easy after that, but getting over that first hurdle is, is huge. And, you know, I'm excited to kind of see uh, what you're doing, you know, for the rest of the year and uh, next season. And, you know, we got spring seasons and, you know, I mean, shoot, you got bear, you got Turkey, you got, uh, all kinds of stuff that we can hunt uh, until then. So, yeah, I went back and forth on if I was even going to put in for anything else. Cause like I said, I found out about this in November. Mm -hmm. So when they opened up the regular seasons this year, I'm like, do I, or don't I? And I'm like, you know what, as it is, I've got two deep freezes. One of them was empty. One of them was about half right now. They're both full. If I had gotten anything else, any other tag this year, I would have had to buy a third freezer. So I was like, I'm just going to stick with just the moose this year and see where it goes. And I'm now I'm glad that I did. Cause if I had to buy another freezer, my wife probably would have killed me. <laughs> oh man. Well, you know, you've definitely got a, that's, that's the one thing, you know, with the moose meat you know, or with the meat, you know, you give some of it away and you, and you cook with it. And, and there is some stuff you definitely want to, you know, I've done, um, I've actually got one coming up soon, you know, uh, in a couple of weeks, as of the time we're recording this, uh, I did an episode with Hank Shaw, 
about cooking wild game. You know, I did one with chef Josh Fenke. I've done one with um, Jeremiah Dowdy from field to plate. And, you know, I think all three of them, we've kind of talked about how like sometimes definitely you want to do honor to the animal and cook it in some great ways, but there's nothing, nothing bad about like, you know, I want some spaghetti. I've got like a hundred pounds of, of ground moose right now. <laughs> I'm going to make some spaghetti, moose spaghetti or some elk spaghetti or some venison spaghetti. And yeah, it's not, you know, it's not like you're, you're, you know, enhancing the, the flavor of the wild game. I mean, you're throwing some spaghetti sauce on it, and, you know, maybe some onions and garlic and calling it a day. Yeah, <laughs> no, I mean, the first thing I did with it was I made a roast. Yep. You know, I figured, like I said, I'd never really hunted. I'd had, you know, venison like maybe twice. So I was like, all right, you know, not sure. Everybody told me moose is the the most tasty meat you're ever going to put in your mouth. So I was like, okay, everybody says it's good, but they're hunters. Am I going to like it or not? So the first Mm -hmm. thing I did was a roast because I'm like, if we don't like it that much or, you know, have to get used to it or whatever, I can shred it up, make it into barbecue or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I was like, all right, you know, that, that's the the easiest way to leave it the taste of what it is, but still have it adaptable if need be. So I made the roast last week. And like I said, my wife doesn't eat leftovers. So I moose roast all week after she had it with me the first night. Then this week I made taco meat. And right before the podcast, I had a burrito with moose and I've got one serving of it left for tomorrow. And then from there, it's like, okay, what am I doing next week? Am I going to do steaks next week? Am I going to, you know, what am I doing? I don't know yet, but I figure, you know, probably two or three weeks out of every month, I'm going to make something with the moose mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it's going to still last me for quite some time. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, it definitely will. Um, I mean, I've, I'm probably every week make something out of the elk, whether that's having some, some of that summer sausage or, smoking brats or, you know, doing a a couple of steaks, whatever that is. I mean, there's very few weeks that I don't have at least something. And I mean, I'm still, I've got more than I expected to have left over uh, just from that. But, you know, we're we're basically in the same game because it's you eating it. And when my wife does eat it, when I fix it fresh, she doesn't eat much anyway. Mm -hmm. And the kids won't eat it. The, The youngest there's no way he's going to try it. The oldest, when I had the pheasant, he's like, Oh, I want to try that. I tried to get him to come up and try it. And he's like, yeah, I don't want to. So <laughs> it's like, I'm not going to push him. If he doesn't want to eat it, I'm not going to waste it on him. But I was going to say, and then that's one of those times where eventually like, yeah, you'll make like some spaghetti or something and you just don't even bother telling them. Um, and they'll, they'll never know any difference. And then, you know, once they're done cleaning their plates, you'd be like, Hey, you just ate moose. Yeah. You just ate moose. Suck it. <laughs> <laughs> what now? Um, uh, yeah. And I mean, I get it. You know, it's, you know, not everyone, not everyone, not everyone could have as good as taste as we do. You know, some yeah, people are I mean, just, some people are just a little bound to be lowbrow. What can I say? <laughs> and you know, the best part about it is, is my 15 year old is interested so it's like I might be able to get him out. And now that I actually know some things, teach him some things and take him out hunting. But mm-hmm. 
he's not going to eat it. So guess what? I take him out hunting and I get his animal and my animal. So, <laughs> oh my gosh, I know so many people that, that it's like that with their kids. Uh, you know, my, my neighbor, um, you know, he drew a bunch of tags out here in Montana this year, my, my old neighbor and, uh, both him and his son drew, he's like, dude, we're going to need like two extra freezers. If we fill even half of these tags, right. Um, and they put in for everything, like every possible tag draw and like leftover tag they could put in for, they did. And yeah, I think they each have like four or five tags each. Like it's it's just ridiculous. You know, deer tags, a couple of doe tags. I mean, it's Montana up here as a resident. We have a lot of opportunities for tags and hunting, um, but it's just, it's wild. So that's always... Uh, that's always a benefit. Maybe I should, maybe I should adopt a kid. Maybe that'll, <laughs> that's because that's a totally, that is a total wise decision for me right now. But. Yeah, totally. Well, you know, and talking about all the extra meat and everything, another thing I didn't talk about is in the spring, I got a call from DWR. I had signed up on the list, you know, if they had to dispatch animals or whatever, you mm-hmm. know, donating the food. So I get a call and I'm like, Hey, you know, you're on the list. Would you like a deer? And I'm like, yeah, sure. And it's like, all right, you know, we, we feel dressed it. If you can come get it tomorrow morning, you know, show up at the office. So I show up and they're like, do you want to <laughs> twist my arm? And he's like, do you care if one of them's a fawn? I'm like, hold on now. I'm new to this, but everybody tells me the younger, the more tender, the better, Mm-hmm. And you're asking me if I care that it's a fawn? <laughs> yeah. No. So he's like, all right. So he pulls two. I mean, they had a, you know, a box truck, refrigerator truck with, I mean, there's probably 30 or 40 of them in there. And he pulls two back to the back. He helps me load them up in the truck. And I'm like, sweet. So I message one of my friends and she's in a very similar situation. Nobody hunts. She's actually gone out a few times on her own, but she's never been successful. So I message her and I'm like, Hey, you know, I just got a a deer from DWR. You know, I'm going to be, you know, butchering it. You know, they feel dressed it for me, but I'm going to be cutting it up. Do you want to come learn with me? You know, we'll figure this out together. She's like, yeah, sure. So I didn't tell her I had to, she showed up. It's like, all right, we got two of them. One's mine, one's yours. So, you know, we, I mean, we split it up where we each got like one backstrap from the doe and one backstrap from the fawn. We got, mm-hmm. you know, one hind quarter from the doe, one hind, you know, we, we split it up. Uh, and so I've got a little bit of that left from the, the spring. And then over the summer, there was a guy like your neighbor had a bunch of tags for this year and he's like, you know what? I've got some meat. I've got, he, he was quite honest. He's like, I've got some that's four or five years old. It's probably only good for dog food. He's like, but I got some that's like two years old. It's all professionally processed. It's not freezer burn or anything. Uh, if anybody is in need of it, you know, let me know, you know, I'll share it. So I messaged him and I'm like, look, I don't need it. If there's somebody that needs it, then let them have it. I said, but I'm new to hunting. You know, I'd like to try some different wild game. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you've got some left after anybody that needs it, he's like, oh no, you know, just 
come down and I'll meet up with you and I'll give you some. And I think he was saying that he had some, um, some deer and antelope, I think is what it was. And, you know, he was an hour south of me. So I drove down there. I figured it was a small price to pay in gas for, you know, a few pounds of some wild game to try. And I mm-hmm. get down there and he's got damn near 10 pounds of elk steaks, <laughs> uh, antelope steaks, ground antelope, ground elk, ground deer, deer roast. I mean, he had a full Walmart bag for me. <laughs> So, I mean, it's like, dude, you know, I wasn't expecting all this. He's like, no, you know, I I threw a couple extra things in there so you can try it and whatever. So now that I got my moose back a week or so ago, I need to go back through all my Facebook messages and find this guy. Because I told him, it's like, if I get a moose, I'm going to hook you up right back. So, but I mean, that's the the camaraderie and the, the community that, you know, I spent years trying to find. And, you know, you find the good ones, it's great. Now, you know, there's, there's bad apples out there. We've all seen them, you know, people that just, you know, I don't know why you're on here asking these questions. You know, you're a dumbass and this mm-hmm. and that and whatever, but you just got to ignore those and keep looking for the, the genuine ones because we're all out there. I mean, it's just a matter of picking through the rocks to find the diamonds, I guess. Yeah. Awesome, man. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time to hop on. Uh, people wanted to uh, find you online. Where can they hunt you down? Uh, I mean, I'm on Facebook, Kevin Lasley, uh, Instagram every once in a while. I think I have a Twitter, but I've not been on it in <laughs> probably eight to 10 years. I mean, I, I just, I never really got into that one. So, so uh, don't, don't message you on Twitter then. Well, you can, you just might not get an answer until, <laughs> you know, another five years from now, <laughs> but uh, you know, I'm, I'm just a normal guy. I'm not, you know, in the industry or anything like that. So I'm just Instagram. I get on off and on. I'll go through a spurt where I'm on there regularly and then not uh, Facebook. Thanks to my wife. I'm on there religiously because um, she's messaged me all day, every day. Um, but yeah, I'm just normal Joe, but I'm out there if you want to find me. Awesome, man. Well, again, super excited for you. So glad we were able to finally have you on the podcast after, uh, you know, long time listener, first time guest. Yeah, <laughs> <absolutely>. <laughs> that should have been my spin at the first. Yeah, that would be, that would be uh, well, maybe some other time. Well, you can always cut this part and then we'll just redo it at the end and (laughs) (laughs) well awesome man thank you so much for hopping on oh thanks for having me i greatly appreciate it all right y'all that'll do it for this episode of the wild initiative make sure to check out the show notes page at thewildinitiative.com and get links to everything we talked about today's episode that'll do it for this week looking forward to next time but until then i hope this episode inspired you to get involved get outdoors and plan your initiative for the wild Thank you for listening to The Wild Initiative. Please take a moment to leave a rating and review on iTunes or Stitcher and head on over to thewildinitiative.com to get show notes, check out the blog, gear discounts, other podcasts from the Wild Initiative family, and more. Sports. 
Spend your Saturdays with life on the water. Join Captain Brandon Simmons for fishing, diving, travel, and so much more. You want to succeed. You want to fish. You want to be one of the greatest. Oh, look at that thing, dude. Wow. Oh. <laughs> Let's see what kind of trouble we can get into today. Don't miss Life on the Water every Saturday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. <laughs> the destination for outdoor entertainment. You'd think, with four of us spread out on a tiny island, that the task of tagging a whitetail would not be a big thing. But, as I've learned, no matter where I've been, whitetails can be damn tricky. Pursuing wild game in wild places. Tune in to Hunt Stand Presents Saturdays at 8.30 p.m. Eastern. Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.